Well, we're continuing today in our series that we're calling Upside Down. As we look at a church, the early church, the first church, uh, and how this little band of, of unschooled, ordinary uh, you, you know, folks who, who had no money, who had no influence, who had no buildings, who had no significant resources of any kind, managed, without even meaning to, managed to turn the world upside down. It comes out of uh, Acts chapter 17. There's a description that these people, everywhere they've gone, they've turned the world upside down. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't feel much like I'm turning the world upside down a whole lot. Uh, in, we've been in a, a long season in, the, in America where the church has had good favor in the, in the culture, good favor with government, and so on. And, and there was a time when, boy, people wanted to hear what we had to say, and, and, and they wanted to know our impressions about things and, and what the Bible taught. And all that's changed. And so we are entering, we have an incredible opportunity to rise up and be the kind of church that turns the world upside down. You don't turn the world upside down by even trying to do that. You, you, we're going to learn kind of how that happens as we focus on the things that this church focused on. Many of you were here yesterday for a memorial service that was held for a friend in the church, Jerry Panner, pastor of cancer at 61 years of age. And the, the place was packed yesterday because Jerry was a guy that impacted people in a significant way, not because he was trying to impress people with how great he was, but because he... It was his desire to serve a great God. And in so doing, you leave a big footprint behind. You leave a big imprint when you do that. It's really great. So, we're going to be in, in this, this passage, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And we're talking today specifically about prayer. Now, let me be just candid about prayer for a moment. Because most of us, most Christians, and forgive me if I'm lumping you in with this, but many Christians have a lot of guilt feelings about prayer. They feel inadequate about it. You know, if, I, you know, I put it this way. No one has ever come to me and said, Pastor, I just, I want to confess, I'm, I'm just praying too much. I, I can't, you know, like, I just can't help myself. I, I've just been praying without ceasing and I, I'm just, I'm so full of joy and I, I just, I don't know how to stop. Would you please help me? Never happened. Never. Because, you know, rather I hear something, I know I should pray, but I, well, I just, I feel kind of guilty. Look, please, we're not on guilt trips today, okay? This, this is not what this is about. But prayer is foundational. And I, I would include my own self, like that we all want to grow in how we pray. And prayer is foundational to your Christian life. I think we could agree on that. But many of us do not feel like we even know what to do. We're not very good at it, and we, we don't really know uh, what we're doing with prayer. And uh, as we, uh, you know, you'll find sometimes in life that prayer is surprisingly disarming, even for people who are not believers in Jesus. I, I've had experiences in different ministry contexts where we'll go door to door to total strangers and either invite them to church. One time we were doing a survey and kind of asked a few questions. And in the end, we said, would you like me to pray about anything for you? And about half the time, people say, oh, oh, I love that. You know, my, my brother's going through this, or my wife's going through that. It's, it's surprisingly disarming. People don't mind prayer, generally speaking. 
So we want to get better at it. And as we continue this, this church series, we're going to be in this, in the book of Acts for several weeks here, and we're going to look at different quality characteristics of this church that turned the world upside down. Today we're going to look at prayer, and specifically corporate prayer. That means group prayer. What happens when we pray together? So I'm not really addressing personal prayer today, but corporate group prayer. Now prayer meetings in most churches, and including ours, I'll be honest, are pretty small. A few people show up. We, we, um, you know, we, we have a reasons why that. Most believers, honestly, I think just plain don't like going to prayer meetings. I think they're bored or they feel intimidated. Maybe they're afraid of what's going to happen or they're embarrassed that they don't really know how to pray good, right? They feel unworthy. They feel like a hypocrite. If I go, everybody's going to think I'm super spiritual. I'm not, so I'm not, not I'm a hypocrite, right? Maybe there's a panic. You're in a prayer meeting and other people are praying really Awesome, and you're like, ah, oh, I was gonna say something, I, I can't, I, I don't, I don't know what to say, and so you panic. I mean, all those emotions are going on in, in a prayer situation. But I want you to think about the prayer of, say, a three-year-old child, a, a little one who just says, Dear God, thank you for my mom, and thank you for my dad, and Please help Boo Boo Bear to get better because he's missing a button. And thank you. Amen. Now, I don't think anybody in this room would say, that was terrible. What, what were you thinking? Why were you praying for your teddy bear? I can get a new button for your bear. Don't bother God with that. We would never do that. You'd be like... Oh, it's so precious. It's so sweet. Listen to that faith of a child. Like, you'd be inspired. And especially if you're the parent, you'd be like, Oh, that's just the best thing ever. You'd just be in love with your child more because you just heard that sweet prayer and you're remembering that Jesus said, Unless your faith's like a child, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And let the children come to me, Jesus says. And that's what we're invited. And God is not just your God. He's your heavenly Father, what does a father love more than to hear from their kids? Hey, Dad, I'm just here. I just want to thank you for whatever. My, my kids and, and I, my wife, we actually went up for dinner the other day, and, and my son said, oh, thanks for dinner, Dad. I mean, it's just like, oh, as a dad, just like, oh, that just feels so good. This is the best thing, right? They didn't know that Mom paid for it, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I'll take the credit. And... Um, so what we have here is this early church uh, that, that seemed to have no problem with prayer. Prayer seemed to come easy for them. And uh, in Acts chapter 4 is going to take us, we're going to actually step into an amazing prayer meeting. So I want you to go ahead and find Acts chapter 4, verse 23. I think we've got a page number up there. And, and I want you just to make a comment. When you read the Bible and you read little episodes like this in the Bible, it's not all that happens. If this was an actual prayer meeting, it would be a one-minute prayer meeting. And our Thursday morning prayer meeting at 11 is a 30-minute prayer meeting. And, you know, I guarantee you're not going to drive across town for a one-minute prayer meeting. So you need to know that this is a, a compressed rendition of what happened. This is a summary of the whole experience. But if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to stand together. And we, we read God's Word together standing here at Bethany Church. And let's stand as we read Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 23. If you're not sure where that is, just use your table of contents. No, no problem whatsoever. And we want to follow along in your Bible or on your phone. 
Acts 4.23. It says, oh, I should explain the background. Sorry, backstory on this. This story actually starts a chapter earlier, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, the leading disciples, had gone to the temple at their regular prayer time. And, and they were going to pray. And as they approached the temple, there's a, there's a guy there on the ground. He's begging. He can't walk. And he says, hey, give me some money. And they're like... We don't got any money, but what we have is the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And the guy walks. He's healed. And the people are like, what? That's incredible. How did that happen? And so, uh, you know, they're like that guy was like 40 years old, which is really old. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, and so then the authorities are pretty stirred up about this. And so they haul in Peter and John. In fact, they spent a night in prison. They spent a night in jail for, for causing a commotion. And the next day they get interviewed What's going on? They're like, hey, we didn't do it. God did it. And uh, they're so you got to, you know, you got to stop preaching about Jesus. You know, I'm like, they're like, well, hey, you guys killed him, and he, God raised him from the dead. We, we just got to tell what we've seen and heard. And they're like, you need to stop talking about Jesus. That's it. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. So that's where we pick up the story, verse 23 of Acts chapter four. So, Peter and John are released. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. And that's taken from Psalm chapter, Psalm 2, verse 27. In fact, this has happened here in this very city, Jerusalem. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Let's be seated. Together, we thank the Lord for His Word this morning. So, these new believers, church just getting started. This is right after Pentecost. You know, before the Holy Spirit had come in Acts chapter two, they were hiding in closed rooms for, out of fear, and now they're they're out preaching. And and uh, you, you know, compared to our situation, we may not be facing. In fact, I'm I guarantee you're not facing the kind of persecution they were facing. The, the, the authorities are not breathing down your neck. We, we're allowed to gather here publicly. We don't have to be here secretively. But you still face resistance or opposition in some various ways. At school, in your workplace, in a home, in your neighborhood, you know, whatever. And my, my, you know, the question is, how do you respond to a world that is increasingly hostile to the good news message of Jesus Christ? What are you going to do about that? How are you going to come out that? So I'm going to pull four, four principles from this little prayer meeting to see what made this church, this this world upheaving church, um, you know, so significant in in the area of being prayer powered. What made this church prayer powered? So 
uh, if you want, if you're taking notes today, you've got an insert in your program, you can follow along, write this down. Ways that we can be prayer powered as a church. Now, let me ask this. When you get some bad news of some kind, whatever that bad news is, it could be financial, relational, whatever, what's your first response? How do you respond to that initially? I wonder if you protest in some way. That's not fair, right? Or maybe you post on Facebook, I can't believe this is happening. Or maybe you... Uh, you go into problem-solving mode. Okay, well, we're going to do this, we're going to try that, and we'll call this person, and we'll write a letter here, we'll send an email, we'll, right? Or maybe, maybe you say, well, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm getting my posse. I'm gathering my friends, and we're getting together, and we are going to fix this, right? You have some way of maybe re- responding. And I, and I, I wonder about that. Years, um, years ago, I, I faced a similar situation. We are just getting our church started. We were in a, going to be meeting in a community center that was, had a school attached to it. And, and things were rolling out. We'd been prayerfully selected the name of the church. And, and maybe two weeks before, uh, I get approached by two prominent community leaders. The principal of the school. And again, we're talking a very defined, tight-knit community. That principal was sort of the mayor, mini-mayor of this little area. And, uh, and, uh, and another prominent community leader. Both believers. And they came to me, they pulled me aside at a meeting and they said, uh, and they were not planning to come to the church. In fact, they, they didn't ever end up coming to the church. But they said, uh, you need to change the name of your church. I said, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I can. No, you, you can't name it what you've named it. You have to change the name of your church. Now, on surface you think, well, is that really a big deal? What it, what it said was, uh-oh, there's resistance, there's opposition. And... We had to decide what's, how do we respond to this? And, and, you know, I could have rallied a bunch of people. Instead, we gathered some people and said, we just need to pray about this situation because if these guys are going to be like this now, we haven't even started. What's it going to be like once we get going? The Lord really led us through that, answered that prayer. But I want you to notice that the first response of these believers, you see it in verse 24, after they've been prohibited from evangelism, what do they do? Verse 24. It says this, when they heard the report, all the believers, what, lifted their voices together in prayer to God. First response was, was prayer. I wonder if we learn to pray as a first response, I, I wonder how much we would lower our stress and anxiety about different situations. If you're taking notes today, you can write this one down. Pray as the first response. How can we be prayer powered? Pray as a first response. You know, I really wonder, like, who do you, I'm going to keep coming back to this question, who do you run to in times of stress? Where do you turn in times of stress? Whether it's financial, relational, uh, emotional, other things. We don't need to complain. We don't need to, you, you know, uh, make petitions or, or put your negativity out there on Facebook. You don't need to do any of that. Maybe rather than saying, well tried everything else, I guess we could pray. Why don't we say, hey, before we try anything else, let's pray. Very different, kind of the same words, isn't it? Totally different approach. Well, nothing else worked. (laughs) Pray, I guess. Why not just say, first thing we've got to do is pray. Wouldn't that be good? In your workplace, in your business, as you start your day each morning, as you go to school, first thing I've got to do is pray. So praying as a first response is how we get prayer power. Typically, our, our response to trouble is, Oh no! What are we going to do? 
when our response could be, oh, good. I wonder what God's going to do. Totally different. Oh, good. I wonder how God's going to solve this problem, this situation. Rather than saying, oh, no, what are we going to do? Say, oh, good. Let's see what God's going to do. Give him some room to move. And so I would ask you this question. I really want you to think about this. What is your default response? Let's go to that next slide there. What is your default response to trouble, to obstacles, to bad news? Think about it right now. Like, what do you actually do when someone tells you something you don't want to hear? Do you pick up your phone and text somebody real quick? Can you believe what she said? Can you believe what he just did to me? Or is it? Oh, God, this one's hard. I, I got to pray. Like, what if we learn to pray first before trying to fix it ourselves? The second secret to their prayer power is found actually in the same verse, in the verses following, that they lifted their voices together, it says. Right? They heard the report, and it says, all the believers lifted their voices together. They prayed aloud. There's something about becoming a prayer-powered place that you pray out loud. Let's go to that next slide there. Pray out loud if you're writing those things down. Now, let me add, as I already mentioned, I am not taking you on a guilt trip this morning. Okay, so if you've been in prayer meetings and you've never prayed out loud and this topic makes you feel guilty or condemned in some way, that's on you, not me. Okay? I'm not making this a guilt trip. But I, 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 am, I am surprised at the number of Christians who, who've never seized the opportunity or, or taken the opportunity to, to pray out loud with others. Remember, what we're doing, we're looking at how these guys did it. In the early church, and we're, we want to emulate what they did because they turned the world upside down. And I know you're going to say, well, Brian, you're judging me. Or I feel judged right now. I, I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm comparing our habits to the habits of the early church. Right? Or you'll say, well, I'm not outgoing. My faith is private. You know, I was taught just to keep it inside and not show off. I, I think you were taught wrong. This is not a personality issue either. We're, we're looking, as I said, at the model of that first church. Now, for some of you, you get into a meeting situation where the people are praying in a circle and you want to pray aloud. You do. You want to. You want to participate. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to pray aloud today. And you just psych yourself out. You just like, you put pressure on yourself. You get tongue-tied. Your, your brain just goes blank. You just draw a blank. Or you're like, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to pray for Pastor Brian today. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And then the person beside you prays for Brian. I'm like, well, there goes my deal. All right. You both, I will take two prayers. I would be okay with that. Right. Or, 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 or you think you're going to go and then somebody prays and you're like, oh, dang, that person uses really good prayer words. I cannot hold a candle to that. And suddenly it's like a competition. Not everything, youth group at Heartland, not everything's a competition. Although, good job, you know. Right? And so you just like hold back. But I want you to remember my example of the three-year-old prayer 
the boo-boo bear prayer, right? That faith of a child, as simple as that, and if God would honor that, wouldn't he honor your simple prayer? This is, maybe you think, well, Brian, I, am, I messed up. I sinned big time yesterday, and I will be a hypocrite if I pray. Can I just remind you, Hebrews chapter 4 says that we approach God when we need mercy. When do you need mercy? When you've messed up. And how does he say, timidly come groveling into the presence of God and hopefully if he's in a good mood, he'll hear you. No, it says, therefore, since we have Jesus, the high priest, let us come boldly into the, into the presence of God to come to the throne of grace boldly where we will receive mercy when we need it. I, I don't know about you, but that pretty much takes care of every excuse you ever had about feeling like a hypocrite. That's how we're invited to come in prayer. Doesn't need to be eloquent. Can be just a simple, Lord, help us. God, thank you. Jesus, I need you. Whatever it is. I want to show you a couple of pictures here. A couple of photos. One is, well, that's for Pastor Stephen because he's an Edmonton Oilers fan. And um, I can show that because I'm pretty sure the Oilers are not going to catch the Sharks this year as they did last year. So um, this is hopefully okay to show this, but I got to say, these guys, beer notwithstanding, these guys appear to be having a great time at this game. And they would be the loud people in the room, don't you think? Right? Now, let me show you the next picture. Basketball game. (laughs) Go back to the other one. Back to the other one. Hockey game? Forward? Basketball game. You be the judge. Okay? (laughs) Who's having more fun at their game? Obviously, the Oilers fans. They're loud and out loud. The nice, quiet people reading the newspaper. They're, um, they're probably catching up in the newspaper. That's it. Right? There's something about raising your voice that helps you more meaningfully engage with what's going on. And when we pray out loud together, it's helpful to build your faith. Because... If you're praying out loud, I can actually agree with you. I can't agree with what you're praying if it's silent. I don't know what you're praying. But when we're in a group setting together and you pray out loud, it builds faith. I get to agree with you and I know what you're praying and I can tack on to that. And and, and if I only pray silently, there's no risk involved. There's, there's, There's no kind of challenge to it. But I put my prayer out there on the table out loud. In a sense, I'm putting my own heart vulnerably out there saying, God, this is what I'm asking for. I'm taking a risk here and doing that. I'm testing my own confidence in God. And it encourages others to know we're praying like on the same page about stuff. Then we we build on each other's prayers. We sort of, we stitch them together like a quilt. I brought a little prop I wanted to show you. Um, Any quilters in the room today by show of hands? All right. If you ever want to meet the quilters, come to the 930 service. There's quite a few of them in there, so they maybe appreciate it more. But I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I think this is a really cool quilt. It's perfect for like Sunday afternoon nap or something. But uh, it's a, it was a gift. It says, uh, made for Brian Weeb and his family in gratitude for their service to Mount Valley Community Church. I was an interim pastor for them. So like a lady named Betsy sewed that all together. If Betsy had, had just handed me, you know, like, a Winco bag full of like all the little strips of cloth. Cause these are like, it looks like squares, 
But it's actually like three little strips and then three little strips and then three little strips. I mean, there's just a ton of little strips in there. I should have done the math and figured out how many there are. But if she just handed me a bag of cloth strips, I would have been like, oh, thanks. I guess. Yeah, you can make a quilt out of it. Oh, here's some thread. Oh, okay. Here's the pattern. Nice. Not that helpful, right? Or if she said, well, you know, I was going to make the whole thing, but what I did is I, like, I made this square, and I made this square, and I made this square, and this square. So just lay them out on the sofa and just imagine it's one whole quilt. Also not that helpful, right? Instead, think of your prayers as like this quilt. You pray something in a prayer meeting, and someone else stitches their prayer to yours, and then someone else, someone else goes in a little direction and stitches, yeah, that's good. And another prayer gets stitched. And what happens is, all of a sudden, you end up with something that's beautiful. You, you, you end up with something that's, that's got order and design and purpose and value to it. It can be like that. Look at that later if you want. Out loud prayer can be really simple. There's no need to use $10 words when a $1 word will do. I like the $10 words, but I don't really understand them. So use the $1 words. It doesn't even need to be in your own words. I want you to take you back here to the text. Look at verses 20, halfway through um, 24 and then, or 25 and then into 26. Uh, or 25 says, You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? And so on. He's quoting, they're quoting now from Psalm 2. They are praying Scripture. Listen, sometimes you don't know what to pray, and God's actually already given you the words for prayer in the Psalms. Just turn to the Psalms and start praying. Maybe you know Psalm 23. God, thank you that you're my shepherd. I thank you that I have everything I need. I thank you that you lead me by peaceful streams and you lead me to green pastures. I thank you that you restore my soul for your name's sake. I I thank you that you prepare a table for me in the presence of all these people who are against me right now. I I thank you that that you, you you walk with me all the days of my life through your grace and your goodness and so on. If you're not sure, just take someone else's words and make them your own as you do that. Look, if the church, including ours is going to turn the world upside down again, it needs to be able to pray confidently and boldly and corporately. That means togetherly. I don't think that's a word, but we'll call it a $7 word. Right? Out loud. Together. As one. You're not showing off or being proud or hypocritical when you raise your voice at a prayer meeting. Lift your voice at a prayer meeting. So, how about making this the year to step out of your fear? A couple of really simple opportunities may or may not work for you. But every Sunday, we gather here at 9.05, right, in the auditorium. Pastor Stephen talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And we just spent about five minutes together. We just say, hey, good morning, everybody. Here's what we're talking about today. Okay, let's pray together. All together, out loud at the same time. And we just pray either for something about the service or the people in the circle or some way. But we raise our voices together. That's perfect because you don't even have to... Nobody's actually even listening to you. But we're raising our voices together. Thursday mornings at 11, we meet here in the church library. I know that that's a limited number of people that works for. 
but we have a good time praying for half an hour for the concerns of the church. There's a third Sunday night of the month. There's a prayer meeting called Praying for Prodigals. Gathers in the library. Find a place that you can begin to practice. Maybe in your connection group. There's still connection group. Sign up opportunities. You want to be in a connection group. That's a great place to practice. There'll never be a safer place than right there to test this out, to learn how to do this. So these believers, they prayed immediately and they prayed aloud. But I, I want you to notice something about the content of their prayer as well. Because in their prayer, they affirmed or acknowledged God's greatness. So if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Pray to affirm God's supremacy. How can we be prayer powered? Pray to affirm God's supremacy. I, I don't know if this will make sense, but like when you meet somebody important, you don't start by talking about yourself. You say, hey, I really like how you did this. I really like how you played that. Right? We affirm their competence, their your accomplishments. I want to show you. We got. I've got a Toby Mac poster here. How many of you going to Toby Mac concert? February thirteenth. Twelve bucks. Unbelievable. Twelve bucks for a Toby Mac concert. This guy's arguably the top of his game in terms of the world of Christian music, and uh, probably the best producer out there. And gets tons of other people into the system. If I were to meet Toby Mac, if I were to go to the show and meet Toby Mac. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say, Toby, I just got to tell you about my day. Man, I just had a really hard day getting here. And, you know, I had some car problems. And, and, uh, and plus, I got to tell you, Toby, oh, I'm going to show you this thing on my guitar. I can play on my guitar now. And uh, I'm going to show you that. No. I'd be like, Toby, it's so nice to meet you, man. Like, I just love how you, I love your show, man. Just amazing stuff you did. And I don't know. I would come up with something. But, um, Right, we'd start by like the compliments, affirming what he's accomplished. Now, forgive me, I am not comparing Toby Mac to God, uh, but I want you to just see that parallel of where these guys started. Uh, they began with, right, verse 24. They lifted their voice. Let's go to that next slide. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven. And earth, the sea, and everything in them. What's happening there? Where are they starting with? They're worshiping God. They're elevating God. Praising Him for His supremacy. And and why begin with God as Creator? Because God's role as Creator is what gives Him credible authority. It's what establishes His place. If God did not create everything, as nearly every book in the Bible affirms, if God did not create everything, He is not God. He is not trustworthy. The Bible cannot be relied upon. But God did create everything. Every creature has a creator. And so the creator is therefore always greater than everything that's been made and always deserves the honor. That's why we start with God. You are supreme. You created all things. Heaven and earth, the sea, the land, everything in them. God, you made it. Psalm, like the psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. He made all those things. It's why the subject of creation is not a novelty. It's not just like a nice subject for debate. Did God really make everything or not? No. God proved himself definitively at creation, established his authority, bringing all things into existence out of nothing. And unless someone else comes along and can outcreate God, God remains supreme. That's just how it is. 
And so then corporate prayer becomes a perfect place to remind each other, to, to, to reaffirm that God is supreme over all things, all people, all governments, all ideologies, all systems, all worldviews. They, they even say right there, they're praying in verse 28, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. God, you're in charge. That's what we're affirming in this, this setting. Now, we haven't even gotten to the prayer request yet. I've got four minutes left. Right? These guys, so they began with praise and affirmation of God's power over everything, over his management of human affairs. In corporate prayer, that's the fail-safe to getting too much focused on ourselves. Start with praise. And then we'll get to the prayer requests. Now, they didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray for guidance. They didn't pray for wisdom, which is our three favorite prayer requests. Lord, guide me. Lord, protect me. Lord, give me wisdom. We pray that all the time, not that we shouldn't. But they didn't. They didn't pray for deliverance. They didn't pray for an end to the persecution. That's what I would have been praying for. Lord, make them stop. It's not what they prayed. They didn't need to. They need to pray those things. Because when your confidence is in the Lord, when you understand God's grace over your life, your own safety, your own life, actually doesn't matter because you already are hidden with God in Christ. It's already covered. It's already taken care of. What's the worst you can do? Kill me? That's the worst you can do? I'm already under God's care. I'm already in His protection. I'm already in His provision. So what do they pray for? They, they pray with authority for boldness and for miracles. There is something about that place of surrender. These believers who had just been ordered to never speak about Jesus prayed for boldness to speak more about Jesus. That's what they were asking for. I know we're not supposed to talk about Jesus, but God, can you help us do it more? And second, knowing that it was a healing miracle at the temple that started all these problems in the first place, thinking... Okay, if we're going to avoid trouble, we probably should back off on the miracles. God, would you do more miracles? God, would you bring more signs and wonders into our midst? God, would you bring this all to our city? Wait, wait you guys, that's, you know that's going to land you back in jail. Right? Yeah, we, we know that part, but we're okay because we're already under the care and protection of God, so that part doesn't matter. God, we want more boldness and we want more miracles. We want you to do more things in our city. These guys are nuts. They are crazy. They, they've just left being good Jewish people and now this, in this whole brand new movement. Verse 30. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. The prayer was answered right away. Their concern was not for their own welfare, but for the good of others. And what's more good than the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ that Jesus alone saves. They wanted their neighbors and their co-workers and their friends and their classmates to hear and respond to the gospel, to be healed, to encounter Christ, to have transformed lives by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what they were asking for. When's the last time you really prayed for that? God, give me wisdom. Protect me. Lord, watch over me. 
They didn't pray those prayers. God, make us bold. God, do something in the city. God, bring it down for a change. God, we're tired of just like, oh, it's just nice and we're just going to church and like, oh, where's the best place to get a cheap taco after lunch? After dinner, I mean. Of course, after lunch, you can have another taco. That'd be okay. Right? But no, we're... I don't know about you, but I, I think I'm done. I think, I think I'm done. I think I, I, I like this. I like the upside down world. I'd go to jail if it meant it was making a difference. So we want to pray for the benefit of others. If we're going to be a prayer powered, world changing church, believers who actually matter, I'm going to pray for the benefit of others. And if you've ever been in doubt what to pray for, two requests are worthy of repeating. Lord, grant me boldness, and Lord, do more stuff. Grant me boldness and do more stuff, God. A few weeks ago, I shared with you our our key word, I believe, for 2018. It's the word harvest. And and I challenge you and myself to make it your goal this year to share with one person who doesn't already know, share your faith or your faith journey with somebody this year. And it starts with this. Someone in my life who does not already know that I'm a Christian, someone in my life needs to know that I'm a believer or that I'm considering becoming a believer, that I'm thinking about it. That's, that's the first step in that challenge. Someone in my life needs to know. I hope you've picked that person out and you're beginning to pray about that. Because, I, 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 look, don't make your friends evangelistic targets, please. Don't, don't put a bullseye on someone's back. You, I'm not looking for projects of conquest. That's not what we're about here. I just want us to get okay with people knowing that you're a believer or thinking about being one. Maybe the missing ingredient for us is you know, compared to those first believers, is some kind of urgency or desperation or or risk or danger. It just means we need boldness. More of it. More signs and more wonders. So you're going to pray for those things this year. If we're going to be a church that gets on board with turning the world upside down, we got to, when it comes to prayer and corporate prayer, we got to be willing to pray as a first response. To not be afraid to lift our voices in prayer to God. To affirm God's supremacy, acknowledge that He's in charge, so it's really okay. And then to pray for the benefit of others. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? God, we, um, we read these, it seems like stories, God. It just seems like way back then, and could it really be for now? And we've made excuses about why it's not happening. And Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to create something in each of our own hearts that says, God, that's what I want. I want to be, I want to desire those things. Lord, help me not to hold on to my own life so much. Help all of us to be willing to let go. Lord, I pray that even now we would, we would, we would covenant together to say our first response isn't going to be to, to raise a fuss and get a posse together, but our first response is to pray. To bring our concerns to you. And Lord, I know right now there's people in this room that they're not sure what's going to happen with their bank account tomorrow or their business or their, their grades or their class or, or, or their workplace or their health. Uh, Lord, we just say we, we're just going to set all that on you and say, God, would you make us bold and would you do more miracles and signs and wonders for the good of your gospel so that more people will come to know you. We give our thanks to you and our praise. God, you are supreme and we worship you. We pray in the precious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ.
Amen.